Welcome to Wild on Health, your weekly holistic prescription for living healthy naturally. Lifespan. That's the time you'll clock on this planet. Healthspan, however, is the time that you'll spend living your life in optimal mental and physical health. Join me on Seeking Healthspan, a podcast loaded with sensible recommendations and tips intended to put quality years on your life. The human body is designed to push, pull, jump, squat, lift, run, and walk. Muscles allow us to accomplish all these movements in space. But when we think of muscle mass, we often imagine lifting heavy weights at the gym. In fact, muscle mass decreases approximately 3 to 8% per decade after the age of 30. And at this rate of decline, it's even higher after the age of 60. So rather than the premise being how big or ripped can I get, people really need to adopt the concept of how can I maintain my muscle mass the best I can lifelong so as not to lose it. Involuntary muscle mass, strength and function is a fundamental cause and a contributor to disability in older people. Research has proven that muscle mass is inversely associated with risk of death and that individuals with sarcopenia, defined as the loss of muscle mass and muscle strength, may have a 60% increase in the relative risk of death compared to people without sarcopenia. My co-host today is Dr. Johnny Bowden. He's a board-certified nutritionist and a nationally known expert on fat loss and healthy aging. His no-nonsense, myth-busting approach has made him a very popular guest on television nationwide, far too many appearances to mention, and a popular keynote speaker at venues ranging from Beijing University to the Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine in America. And he recently featured in the movie Fat Fiction, which is available on Amazon, the documentary Heart of the Matter. And he's also the best-selling author of The 150 Healthiest Foods on Earth, The Most Effective Ways to Live Longer, and with the late cardiologist, Dr. Stephen Sinatra, the controversial game-changing book, The Great Cholesterol Myth, among many other national bestsellers. Hey, brother, good to have you on the show. Hey, man, how are you? It's so good to be with you as always. This is probably my favorite uh, podcast topic of the year so far. We have some really excellent uh, special guests uh, coming up. Yes. Before we introduce them today, you know, I wanted to talk muscle span with you. It's a very I love term. that term, Bryce. I love that. Did you, well, you know that? Well, you know, we, well, and you know, I, I didn't make it up. Uh, we've thrown around a little bit here and there. It's related to health span, but yeah. you know, but before I tell you where I came across it and it's, and again, it's a really unusual term. It reflects very much what the podcast is about, as you know, um, health span being of course, how long you live, but in good or optimal health in later years, what's your take on it when, when it first hits your ears? Well, I thought immediately as it, it's a variation on the world word health span. And I think maybe it, it would benefit all of us to just describe what health span really is as opposed to lifespan. It's all over the longevity medicine. We don't call it anti-aging medicine anymore. Nobody can turn back aging, but you can certainly live better longer. So we call it longevity medicine now. And, and health span is the difference. Lifespan, we all know what that is. How many... How many years do you spend breathing, right? It doesn't talk about the quality of those years. It doesn't talk about whether you're breathing in an assisted living home on an oxygen tent. You're just saying a lot. That's your lifespan. The years you clock on the planet. The, the, exactly. But health span is how many of those years are spent being able to function optimally. 
Now, I know we're going to talk about this because you and I have chatted about this a million times, the Centurion um, Olympics. We're going to get into that in a minute. But if you wanted to be, as Peter Atia says, a kick-ass hundred-year-old, what would you have to do now so that you could do the things that you're doing now and function the way we're functioning now, more or less, for 10 decades? And that's, I think, what we're talking about when we talk about muscle span. Yeah, we makes- lose, as you said, quite a number of pounds every year in muscle. I just had a, a, a very unpleasant reminder of that when I had a DEXA, a DEXA scan recently, and I'll, I'll tell you about that if it comes up. Um, we lose this muscle even sometimes when we're working out, as I am, and we want that muscle to be able to serve us in a functional way. I started, as you know, as a trainer at Equinox Fitness Clubs. I was a a senior trainer there for seven years. All I knew about was building muscle, building, getting ripped, building, you know, big muscles for the beach. This is not about that. This is about, can you do functional things like lift bags of groceries out of the trunk of your car? Can you open a jar? Can you play with your grandkids? Are your muscles serving you? And I think that's what comes to my mind when you say muscle span. Obviously, even the most frail 100-year-old has some muscles left, but they're not serving them very well because they don't function very well. And I think that's what's captured by that wonderful term, muscle span. Or get off the toilet unaided as another example. But I'll tell you, you know, you mentioned, you know, your older days of training. I think that it's important for folks to realize that it is important, you know, how much we get done early years in order to, you know, build our bodies up. But then again, as you put it very eloquently, it's the maintenance uh, of that functional muscle mass and the leanness. That's exactly what we're talking about today. And our guests will have on momentarily will tell us how we can achieve that. Most people don't think about racket sports, you know, in correlation to longevity. You're a tennis player, you know, tell us every about day. What the sci- yeah. Tell us about the science shows there in terms of maintaining not just agility and cardiovascular health, but muscle math mass. And I imagine it says something uh, to proprioception and our ability to move in space and not trip and fall, which frailty at the end of the day kills a lot of people. Yeah. And I really think we should address that. Because in in Peter Atiyah's new book, which is, as you know, just an instant classic on longevity medicine and aging, he points out powerful, robust research showing that frailty predicts everything you don't want to have. Frail people, when they have a hip replacement, it's all over. Frail people, when they fall, it's all over. And that isn't the case with people who have good muscle span, whose muscles stay in good shape until the very, very end. Um, so I think that that's a, a very important part. I interviewed Dr. Daniel Amen yesterday, who, you know, great colleague of both of ours, the great psychiatrist and brain doctor. And he brought it up on his own. He said, you know, racket sports, you people who play racket sports, you live forever. And, and he's got a point. We have the lowest resting heart rates we have you know we have a lot of good metrics so you do that is part of what maintains muscle my wife uh to be michelle um got a bone bone density scan a few years ago and she got one recently last week when we went and she has actually gained muscle she's gained bone density and muscle mass just from playing tennis and from doing some of the supplements that you and I are going to talk about today. So it is definitely reversible. Uh, there's a famous story about, I, I think it was either Ronald Reagan or George Bush, I've forgotten, but in their 80s, they started doing strength training and they gained muscle. So it is and never too late. They didn't even late. know the stuff we know. 
<laughs> it is it is never too late. I do want to no. put that out there as well, because uh, we're talking as if you have to get all this done by age 30. It's not true. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and this is really interesting about racket sports. I'm actually late to the game on that. I'm starting to play tennis. And for the first time ever, I've never I mean, I played tennis, but I've never had lessons. I'm about to have them uh, starting next week <clears throat> and a little nervous because I've had back surgery. But at the end of the day, you're careful with it. you do the pre-stretching and all the stuff related to the muscles uh, and tendons and ligaments and insertions and fashion. You're probably pr- pretty good to go. You know, here's what the other thing that really intrigues me about longevity and the application as it you know extends it to health span uh, and for that matter muscle span you know centenarians people that live around the world and live beyond 100 by definition uh, healthy with that health span we're talking about blue zone also, people the blue zone folks yeah whether it's uh, sardinia you know just uh west of italy or your uh Loma Lucaria, yeah right by sardinia you. Right. All these places, uh, you know, what they have is this high concentration of folks that be that seem to be living life very well and long. Um, and at the end of the day, with all kinds of, it's a mixed bag. But, you know, one one thing they do have in common, and this is intriguing, they live in areas of in- incredible undulation. Um, and that is to say they walk a lot. They walk places. They, they less rely on motorized vehicles to you know, bring them from point A to point B. And the science shows they have a large quadriceps circumference. This is really interesting. So again, what we're talking I about- I know is that. That's muscle. great. That's yeah, great. And this is not a show me muscle, right? It's not like mm-hmm. your biceps or your right. chest pecs. This, is, these are, this will propel you in space. You know, Again, we're meant to jump, squat, lift, pull, push, and walk uh, by definition of bipedal being. So large quadriceps translates, I'm, I'm, I'm sure of it, and the literature actually supports us in part to that muscle mass we're talking about and of yes. course, cardiovascular health and longevity. And, and, and at the end of the day, to paint this uh, picture, we want to, like our muscles to look like a sirloin steak, you know, not a ribeye or a wagyu. You know, we want this idea with a non-marbleized, if you will. We all have fat percent and we need that, but not an excessive fat percent. Um, and so I said, I would tell you, you know, where I got this concept muscle span, then let's introduce our guest for today. Uh, the secret to a long muscle span is a little hard work was a paper published in the Journal of Physiology. Mm-hmm. And this paper highlights the importance of understanding the factors that influence muscle mass and function. To your point, it's all about function in order to improve exercise performance and prevent these age-related declines in physical function and muscle mass. So really what the paper references is the original study done by Kumar and his colleagues published uh, in the same journal, Journal of Physiology, which investigated the relationship between muscle contraction using, by the way, single rep on the uh, extensions on the quadriceps, uh, protein synthesis and aging. And that's all really, you know, in summary, the topic of today's show. So should we introduce our guest? We should, but I want to just, let's hit one one time. I know we're dying to talk to them, uh, but I, I want for anybody who's listening to this and thinking, well, they, I'm not that interested in muscles. I don't care about that. I just care about belly fat. Let me just, let's just go through what muscle has been shown to correlate with in let's the research, published research. So certainly cognitive function, certainly balance. Certainly stability. Peter talks about in the book how important stability training and balance training are. You don't want to fall when you're 90, folks. And guess what? Athletes, and I, I know this from playing tennis because very often I've almost fallen, almost fallen, I've almost fallen, and I literally catch myself in a way that I don't think that people my age who get off balance are able to do. It's just like an instinct, you know? And, and if you can develop that, it requires that you have the muscles to stabilize your body in space. So and now, stability and balance and mental function. That's the part that was so 
almost surprising to me, I don't know if it was to you, when I first read research linking healthy muscle life with healthy mental functioning. And we all care about that so badly. And one of the biggest fears of baby boomers, I'm a baby boomer, and I think you're a millennial, but I'm a well, baby. I was just, just going to say, you know, before, uh, you know, you, you, you tried to very kind of sneakily skip over that. I'm very proud both to call you my friend, colleague, and to know Thank you. how young and healthy you actually are. I want you to tell everyone. Now, if they were watching this on YouTube, they'd see uh, how incredible this is. They can already Thank hear you. the youth in your voice, but go ahead. How, how how young are you? I will be 77 in November. That's incredible. Playing Thank tennis, you. you're probably like- Every day. You can probably, day. You, you can probably beat me in an arm wrestle. I'm, I'm, I don't know about that. But, admitting, the, I'm fine but the point is, folks, that muscle really impacts the things you care about. Sure. It's not just for show. You, you, you know, it really does impact those things. Frailty, which I'm sure you know, most uh, you know, scientific minds would have no problem switching out or by you know, you know, semi, you know, pseudo synonym, um, you know, sarcopenia, which is loss of muscle mass. They're you know, almost one and the same. So by definition, frailty, extreme frailty in the literature trumps cardiovascular disease, diabetes, insulin insensitivity, and cancer combined. You are so correct, my friend. In terms of, you know, death. So <clears throat> let's so, bring them on. I want to talk to them myself. Yeah. So, you know, we're joined today by guests, Larry Cole and Sean Bear, both experts on today's topic, maintaining muscle mass, the idea that muscle span is the secret to longevity. And Larry Cole is a co-founder and president of the TSI group. Larry holds a position of the president of Innovative Products Division at TSI. And after graduation from Arizona State University with a Bachelor of Science degree in Business Administration, Larry was vice president of Charles Bowman and Company and marketing manager for Nurture Inc. Larry also serves as an advisory board member to both United Natural Products Alliance, Nutrition Business Journal, and the University of Montana's World Trade Center. And, and thank you. <laughs> yeah, happy to have you. I didn't know you were associated with Nutrition Business Journal, one of the greatest publications in our field. Terrific. I'm uh, very impressed. I was impressed with you before. Now I'm even more impressed. And Sean Baer is the Chief Operating Officer of MTI Biotech and VP of Business Development Innovative Products Division at TSI. He holds a Master's of Science degree from Iowa State University and a Master's of Business Administration from the University of Iowa. Wow. In 1997, he was hired by MTI Biotech as a research scientist with specific responsibilities related to overseeing outside research products that related to HMB and muscle performance. Don't worry if you don't know what HMB is, you will by the end of this podcast. Sean was responsible for the administration of a year-long NIH-funded research study investigating the benefits of an HMB-containing nutritional supplement on muscle mass and function in older adults. Well, that's what we want to hear about today. So welcome, Sean. Welcome, yeah. Larry. Welcome, guys. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. So good to have you. And, you know, we were just talking about uh, frailty, you know, this mm -hmm. concept of uh, muscle loss, uh, sarcopenia, if we want to be technical about it, and the idea that this, in fact, in the literature suggests very highly that it could trump all cause, uh, well, at least the top big three, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and insulin insensitivity, so prediabetes, and cancer combined. Mm -hmm. Each of you, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think we start talking about muscle health, or in this case, what you refer to as muscle span. What's what's really important to look at, and I, I can understand why 
um, we're pointing to all these other conditions and saying this is even a bigger problem is, is really the term in context of longevity. Because, you know, some of us will experience joint issues. Some of us will experience changes in bone density, um, some cognitive problems. But 100% of us, as we age, experience muscle loss. There, mm -hmm. it, there's no way around it. It's inevitable. But at what rate you lose muscle is really the determinant of your future health, resistance to disability. You guys were just talking about the frailty aspect. You know, when you don't have much muscle mass, um, the fear of a fall is much, much greater because it's not just the fall and the potential for a fracture and injury, it's the ability to recover. And, you know, there's research to suggest that um, when we're, you know, little time is, is 10 days of bed rest can cause a highly significant um, change in, in muscle mass. Um, and if those events kind of build on each other, a few of them in a row, um, unfortunately, we cross over this threshold where um, something as simple as the common cold and, and getting pneumonia and not being able to produce a productive cough can be our demise. So, you know, we think, you know, I was listening in and, and you guys are talking about muscles being that, you know, bodybuilder physique power kind of mm -hmm. uh, organ we think about. In reality, it's so much more than that. It's truly the basis of, of everything we do in, in our life, whether it be something, the act of breathing in the context of what you said before, but all the way down to the performance athlete, everything involves muscle. So our muscle health is incredibly important when we think of lifespan or in this case, muscle span. Yeah, absolutely. Larry, staving off age-related muscle mass, you, you're uh, a part of the same, um, you know, conclusion, sarcopenia, avoiding that, and we're going to do well into later age? Absolutely. You know, as a business, we've looked at um, we're very um, uh, active in total musculoskeletal health. We are one of the largest producers of glucosamine. So we know the joint health market very well. And we also actively participate in ingredient supply and bone health ingredients. So um, I um, am, 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 you know, in my dealings with uh, professionals around the nutrition industry, uh, I've been talking about muscle health and it's surprising to me how many people that are experts in the area, um, of health and nutrition, um, are either unaware of it or they have an aha moment by saying, absolutely. Muscle health is a untapped opportunity for consumers to improve their, their lifespan and longevity, because really the younger demographic is the is the most active in, in, in muscle health by working out and performance driven athletes, bodybuilders, et cetera. But there's such an, an enormous opportunity for consumers say over the age of, eight, of 35, especially that aging demographic of over 50 and 60 to, to focus on maintaining your, your muscle health. And we have really been actively communicating to the global market and, and, you know, when we're, when we're talking about the benefits of um, some of our ingredients for muscle health, it's just amazing how, how much of an opportunity there is. And what we're talking about more uh, uh, than anything is achieving total musculoskeletal health. Yeah. That is yeah. a bone joint and muscle uh, health combined because we think the missing element, if you look at it on a three-pronged stool, you've got a big awareness on bone health and you've got a very large awareness on joint health, but the muscle is arguably the most important component 
to achieving that total musculoskeletal health. I was I was just going to interject on you and say I wholeheartedly believe that not only does the scientific literature uh, support what you're saying, uh, in my own clinical practice, I've seen this. But, you know, before we get into this, I want to ask you guys about, you know, sort of testing your opinion on uh, how, because people tuning into this and listening to this are probably thinking uh, if we haven't already really got their attention around how they want to start now, whatever that age might be uh, Mm. to prevent uh, loss into, you know, older age and to live the best, most vibrant functional life they can with the optimal muscle mass. Uh, the literature around, um, you know, what muscles do to those other tissues, as you describe them, the insertion, ground substance, the materials that ultimately put muscles into bone and bone itself, maintaining mm-hmm. mineralized bone, dense bone. Um, y- y- you send, a, for that matter, a male, uh, non-osteopenic, non-osteopenic male out into space for a month. Um, without gravity and what we know to be the piezoelectric effect, they come back down to earth and they are now osteoporic. They've lost because mm-hmm. the, there's no real strain on the bones. And that's just a commentary to how important having good, strong muscles are because, you know, even for that matter, without gravity, the muscles and what they do to bone and the, and the ligaments and tissues uh, to maintain them is really key. So you lose muscle, you lose bone and to your point. So, and, and, and I was just going to say, Having been in clinical practice, you know, for well over 20 years now, and must have assessed over 10,000 patients or more for their muscle mass matrix um, using bioimpedance analysis or BIA. But without getting too technical or into the weeds on this, you know, um, best ways to test your body composition, I, I think we need to at least agree that we abolish BMI. So if people were to sort of jump no. online right now and enter their height and weight, because uh, quite inaccurate, um, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, by definition, in his prime, you know, six foot three or four and whatever, 210 pounds of pure muscle uh, was considered on this measure obese. Obese, yeah. You know, so, yeah, John, what are your thoughts on this? Um, well, I, I actually, it took me back to my days as a trainer at Equinox. Uh, and people always asked me then and still do today. Uh, you know, you and I are both experts on the platform. Any question, we get asked a lot of questions from all over. And I get a lot of questions still about what um, supplements to take for bodybuilding, for muscle gain. And I used to get it all the time as a trainer. And I remember then that there were only two that had any real serious research. There's thousands of them out there, you know, build this and get energy and burn fat and build muscle. And they're all crap. And we know they're all crap. But there are two that are seriously studied scientifically. And they were I knew them then. And I used to recommend them all the time, creating an HMB, which we haven't yet defined, but I, I think we should get to it. So I always recommended those two. And then to be honest with you, Bryce, I kind of forgot about them. Because I thought, oh, that's just for bodybuilding. And then this huge upsurge in research on these on these products and how they have such wide applicability to so many things we care about and how it's so much more than just building, you know, big beach muscles. Uh, so I, I always knew about HMB and creatine, but I didn't really understand the the resume of benefits that well, occur. you know we're like uh the proverbial moths to the you know scientific flame if you will and like market <laughs> that's trends, very good that's like very market good. trends you know the next greatest thing comes out and we're kind of all over it but you know things have life cycle and this comes back into your point very much uh some of the only and strongest and most uh you know um impression uh impressionable evidence uh, that there could be out there you know so let's take listeners through this sort of evolution here 
you know, my, my first question is going to go over to Larry as it relates to protein and why that's so key to muscle mass. And then from there, I want to talk about, you know, some of the nutri nutrition guidelines. And, and, and then from there, I want to talk about essential amino acids. And then from there, uh, gentlemen, let's dive into exactly what this, uh, nothing short of a miracle, if you will, to the muscles HMB is and, and all about. So Larry, what's your take on protein and why it's so important to muscle mass? Well, protein's a macronutrient, and obviously it's very, very popular um, to have a, a regular um, dose of protein in your daily diet. Um, protein is made up of amino acids, and and we all know about uh, some of the essential amino acids, et cetera, but there's one amino acid in particular called leucine, and that is the most anabolic or muscle-building uh, amino acid. And uh, the research at Metabolic Technologies, a company that TSI has acquired, um, the, they were the discover, they discovered essentially the, I, I like to say the secret sauce in leucine, which drives um, the muscle, the anabolic activity, the uh, stimulating the protein synthesis of the muscle building component, but also unique, very uniquely, this ingredient um, downregulates or suppresses protein loss or muscle loss. And that is HMB. And uh, they discovered HMB um, many, many years ago. And um, thank goodness, because HMB, we believe, is the most important component of the protein and or the amino acid matrix for building muscle. And, and most uh, importantly, as you're aging, maintaining the muscle mass that you have. Awesome. In, uh, can I add something to that interest? I have actually two things to add to that. Um, the first is that back in the day, there was a researcher named Donald Lehman. I still remember him. Um, and he was one of the first really serious tenured professor scientists who was crying out for larger protein requirements than the 0.8 uh, grams per kilogram of body weight that the, in, that the USDA was recommending. Um, and what he always talked about was the importance of leucine. And at the time when I was a trainer at Equinox, I didn't know any of this. I hadn't even gone back to school for nutrition yet, but I heard them always say that the, the real key to your branch chain amino acids to all of these things is leucine and nobody gets enough of it to make that difference. And that is very connected to the subject we're talking about today. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to say is that, um, I, I do a lot of work with fasting and and teach it. We have a course on it. I've talked to, I've interviewed, you know, Mindy Pelz, some of the great, you know, people, Jason Fong in fasting. And there is been there has been such a shift in how important they are looking at protein as. I mean, I used to hear, yeah, we all get enough protein. Let's just worry about the carbs fat balance. No. The uh, Esther Blum, I interviewed her recently for, on, on menopause. She's one of the, one of our great experts on that. He's talking about you want to stay healthy through menopause in a long time. A, a set of barbells, a steak, and 100 grams of protein a day. Mindy Pels, 100 grams of protein a day. The, 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 the old-fashioned requirements, <laughs> 0.8 per kilogram, that's a, that is like 0.4. That's, that's four-tenths of a gram per pound of body weight. It's obsolete. Ain't gonna cut yeah. out. So I if agree. I can if I could add something on there, the, the main thing we always have to think in context of protein is protein for the most part is delivering the building blocks, the amino yep. acids. We we all know that. But the the biggest issue is 
so much right now in the muscle health space that we see in our in the industry or in what I refer to as the dietary supplement industry, as well as kind of that specialty foods where you're mm -hmm. looking at, you know, your protein bars and your protein drinks. Those are, you know, they're, I know they're framed as a dietary supplement. They really are based mostly as a food. Um, but when we think about how they're being marketed and it, it's the push of consume more protein, consume more protein. I couldn't agree with you more, Dr. Bowden, in the fact that we have to get more protein than what the RDA is. But the biggest oversight, and it ties right into the HMB story, is how do we make sure we have the machinery turned on? I like to use the analogy of someone remodeling a house. You yeah. can have as much of those building blocks delivered to that house as you want. Brilliant. If there's nobody there to remodel, and <laughs> in other words, increase protein in the synthesis and reduce protein breakdown, um, those, those, those uh, building supplies just build up. And that yeah. buildup in our body in this analogy would be, would be, you know, extra calories. So I couldn't agree more. We want more protein, but most importantly, we want more protein with having that muscle machinery turned in the right direction. In other words, increasing protein synthesis, reducing protein breakdown. And that is what, you know, HMB, that's the mechanism of action as Larry pointed out. Yep. Um, if you really look at, you know, HMB, what is it? Larry already pointed out, it's a downstream metabolite of leucine. And if you, you know, Look at just as it is initialism, what it stands for is beta hydroxy beta methylbutyrate. I just, just for those people that are listening that want to Google it and look it up, just to make sure they have the, the full name, but it is simply a downstream metabolite of leucine. We know leucine is responsible for increasing protein synthesis. We know excess protein consumption will increase protein synthesis, but the most important part of the equation of any equation, um, when you're looking at balance is what's going in and what's going out. So when we think about muscle, going back to our, how do we improve the longevity of muscle mass or our life with muscle mass, it's important that both sides of the equation are addressed. And only HMB can do that nutritionally. Um, increase protein synthesis or build muscle, reduce protein breakdown or prevent muscle loss. So those two things combined, the net gain then becomes a net accumulation or at least maintain. So we're not continuing to lose. Right. I want to add, if I can just add something to underline something you said that I don't want anyone to skip over. Um, you talked about muscle breakdown. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a very important thing to focus on for a moment. If you have a checking account, you do not know how much money you have if you only know what you deposit. Mm -hmm. You've got to know what you're depositing. You got to know what's going out. So the same thing with muscle, there's stuff that you can do to build it up, but there's also stuff that breaks it down. And, and to me, one of the shining points about HMB is it not only helps you build it, it helps put the brakes on how much you lose. It right. And with age, we know the that there's actually an increase in protein breakdown and a decrease in our ability to utilize protein for the protein synthesis side. So by... You know, it's not by luck, but by by the the elements that be of of the mechanism of action of HMB, we work on both sides of this equation, and that's what's so imperative that people realize that you you can't just and I, I like to use this analogy, you can't eat your way out of it by consuming just more and more and more protein. It's My needed. Exactly. We want to make sure the key part is that you're getting sufficient amount of protein to what your body requires. But after that, let's make sure we're turning on that machinery in the right direction. 
Right. That's exactly what I dive, dive a little deeper into that. <clears throat> Here's how I'll frame it up. Um, Cause I, we just touched upon uh, the whole idea of the industry. And in my opinion, the industry seems to have been over the last couple of decades, perhaps a little more, uh, focused on essential fatty acids than it ever needed to be. I mean, not that it mm-hmm. wasn't important, it's very important, but where we know proteins go and where amino acids are needed and the whole story of DNA and immune system and tissue recovery and formation and just the list is quite you know staggering and, and even longer than essential fats. Um, this idea that there are these essential amino acids. No, mm-hmm. by the way, uh, for the listeners, we all know this, there's no such thing as an essential carbohydrate, but that's a mm-hmm. topic for another show. But, but the idea that essential versus non-essential amino acids, uh, Sean, I'd like you to extend on that. And the idea that you can't eat yourself into therapeutic range, particularly of the downstream of leucine, which is this beta hydroxy, beta methyl butyrate called HMB, if you could elaborate. Yep. Yep. So really just the simplest definition of essential versus non-essential. We won't go into conditionally essential or anything like that, but really the root of it is what can you make in your body and what do you have to consume? So the essential are obviously the ones we have to get through our diet and our non-essential are really, you can, you think of it as your body can fabricate those. You can manufacture them, you can build them. So why that's so important then nutritionally, we talk about protein. Oftentimes we we're thinking about protein as all proteins are equal. You know, there is a need to have a quality protein. One of the biggest things we observed, um, you mentioned a study earlier on, um, when we were doing work with older adults and it was in a year long study in, in coming up with the, uh, the study protocol, one of the things we wanted to address, and it's a very significant issue is the protein consumption or lack of quality protein consumption in older adults. Yeah. Um, I know we haven't mentioned this amino acid yet, but you know, lysine is a rate limiting amino acid in many older adults, because oftentimes, whether it be through um, the unfortunate passing of a spouse, we, or just the, the exodus of our children out of the home, we don't prepare as big a meals. And when we start reducing the size of the meal, one of the things that tends to go is meat. Um, and that's where you start running into issues. And I shouldn't say just meat because it's also most protein, um, ver- uh, a variety disappears out of the diet. So what tends to happen is there's a switch to grain-based diet and they tend to gear more towards, um, uh, proteins that don't have as much lysine. Um, in that same vein, you also see those same proteins don't have much for leucine or the branch chain amino acids, which is a very important class of amino acids and, of one, I've already mentioned it is leucine. So again, going back to your question on, you know, the downstream metabolite, you know, we'd like to think that, that we consume enough protein to meet all of our demands. Well, let's put it in reality of, if we are interested in what the literature says about HMD, can I just eat enough protein to do that? Um, or eat enough leucine rich proteins to do that? Um, unfortunately, you know, you'd have to consume roughly 600 grams of protein a day to wow. get the three grams of HMB the literature supports. Wow. And why that's just not realistic is, you know, the amount of what that 600 grams would be, um, would, would pretty much occupy your entire diet by twofold of what you probably consume right now. If everything you eat would have to be a protein source. Probably right. tax um, your kidneys a bit too. Oh yeah. It would be terribly taxing to the kidneys too. But you know, you brought up a point there that uh, I think I don't want to get us into trouble and I don't want to get us hate mail, but we should really discuss for at least a few minutes when we're talking about protein quality, uh, the increase in vegetarian and vegan diets um, and and the concept that they are inherently healthier, which is something that I have fought tooth and nail about in in the media. 
Um, but the point is that all protein isn't created the same. And, true, and I, I feel very strongly that vegetarian, I, I get the reasons <clears throat> for it. I get the ethical reasons. I get the, uh, all of that. But, you know, the human body does better with some animal protein in it. And I, I it's don't interesting you bring this up, Dr. Bowden, because one study that was done with HMB compared, um, and again, I'm going to simplify this just for the sake of time, yeah. but it really compared whey protein or what they referred to as the anabolic quality of whey protein, which we know is leucine, um, to a soy protein and then a soy protein with HMB. And what they found is when HMB is with the plant protein, it performed much like the whey protein. Oh, again, that's that great to know. Yeah, that, that just is, comes right back to the, the the importance of leucine in our protein complex. And again, it's because it is a down or HMB is a downstream metabolite of leucine. It goes back to that muscle machinery and the anabolic effect of whey is based off of a, a significant portion off of the leucine content. And right. again, leucine has been shown to increase protein synthesis, whereas HMBs shown to increase protein synthesis while reducing protein breakdown. Yeah. So I know I sound like a broken record there, but that is such the important balance to this, you know, muscle span we were talking about, because if we don't turn on the machinery in the right direction, we simply cannot have that, that long, um, uh, you, I guess you'd refer to it as the, the tail of our muscle reserve. The longer that process is dragged out or slowed down is a way to look at it of losing muscle. Cause we know it's inevitable if we can maintain that. And it comes down to obviously the activity you do, but going back to the protein you ingest, mm -hmm. going back to all these different elements in the lifestyle you live. So if we can impact these things and it goes right back into the conversation with, you know, the vegan or vegetarian diet. Um, I'm not going to criticize those that, that choose plant-based proteins because it can be done right, obviously. Yes. And it's a yes. choice and it is a uh, lifestyle that produces great results if it's done correctly. Right. Um, but, you know, being done correctly could be the addition, and I believe it is, of things like HMB and, and supplements to make sure that you're hitting all those necessary um, checkpoints, if you will, on proper protein metabolism and overall uh, nutrient metabolism. That's, yep. that's a great point. I I, uh, I hadn't thought of it before, but I, I just thought of it now. I think HMB supplementation should be recommended to all of our vegan and vegetarian clients across the board. I uh, agree. For just that Obviously. reason. <laughs> irrefutably. No, irrefutably. And, you know, and, and what, Larry, what you've done uh, it, with, uh, with uh, Sean's help, I'm sure, um, is to basically masterfully uh, at TSI uh, pull in the reins on, because the supplement company is still riddled with this notion of buyer beware. I mean, there's, there's the right HMB uh, to take, and we'll talk a little bit about some of those details. And then there's the others. Um, tell us about what sets my HMB, and that's MY. HMB. That's the product that uh, you guys have created that Johnny's got up on camera now. Um, tell us what those points of differentiation are and what, why, for, actually start with why you took uh, this upon yourself to make this one of the uh, hero products of TSI Standby. Well, first and foremost, as I mentioned earlier, is uh, I just think it's a tremendous opportunity for TSI to improve the health of millions of Americans and, and millions of people abroad. Um, just creating awareness around the benefits of HMB for muscle health in this untapped uh, opportunity for people to improve health. And it's also a very good opportunity in business for TSI. So we, when we realize the, what, what M, uh, HMB does and the potential 
um, we really focused on on this particular ingredient. We branded it MyHMB. Um, it had a a its its roots started in the in the bodybuilding the in the sport nutrition industry, but we saw obviously a much larger substantial market with the aging population. Um, we have two dedicated manufacturing facilities that are equivalent to a pharmaceutical uh, manufacturing practice. Um, this is a state-of-the-art facility that, um, again, is dedicated. We think that's very important in, in the manufacturing world to not have uh, multiple products going through. Um, everything is, is dedicated to just making the best, the most pure HMB that the world cannot, uh, that we service the world market in. And uh, it's, um, it's also um, the, the science behind uh, HMB is all tied to this manufacturing process. There's hundreds of clinical trials, peer reviewed, published uh, that, that verify the efficacy, the effectiveness of HMB and, and, and its benefits for muscle health. Uh, thousands of subjects have been studied. Um, in addition, we have safety data. We have the most comprehensive dossier of safety data that, again, affirms our manufacturing process. Um, it helps us get uh, freedom to operate in international markets that are very highly regulated. Uh, both the efficacy data that proves that the, the, the product actually works and does what we say it does, but also that it's safe. It's safe to consume. And those two uh, are, are very important, obviously, for a business like TSI that's um, making an ingredient that people ingest. Yeah. And, and that's what really sets us apart. I can say that no other uh, manufacturer of, of this particular ingredient has uh, uh, studies and dedicated manufacturing sites and, and quality systems that have been verified by third-party auditors other than TSI. Would you say that uh, bioavailability, something we refer to often in the industry, the ability for these uh, ingredients, particularly in this case, my HMB, to enter the system has improved over the years? I mean, Johnny mentioned earlier, you know, uh, it's dawned upon us only in perhaps the last year how important this, along with creatine and a couple of other ingredients, vitamin D, another one we might talk mm. about if we have at the time, um, that they've become through processes that uh, TSI features more bioavailable than ever. And and perhaps maybe even comment on the difference between uh, calcium HMB and uh, free acid uh, HMB, because there are some variations out there. Touch a little on the bioavailability, because in, in reality, other than the quality, um, that hasn't really changed because HMB is a highly um, bioavailable compound. It's easily absorbed. Um, and, you know, we see that from some of the original research we did with HMB, um, you know, getting a little bit into the details here, but, you know, you kind of look at excretion levels you know, of, uh, you know, waste, if we will, um, trying to avoid one of the obvious things that we do. And if it doesn't appear in feces, then, you know, you're, you know, the absorption is there, or at least yeah. it's being taken up in some form. Um, but we also, the biggest one is looking at plasma levels. You know, we see HMB, um, with supplementation, it consistently elevates above baseline HMB levels that you get from, you know, obviously the downstream metabolite of leucine. Um, and I'll let Larry touch on some of the other aspects of that question, but I just want to add one other thing here. When you're, you're talking about, um, the calcium HMB versus the HMB free acid, you know, this is something that when you first started doing research on HMB, um, out of the 
simple fact of convenience. Um, a dry white powder is easy to work with versus a free acid form, which is a liquid. Um, we assumed, and again, I emphasize the assumed, we assumed the calcium HMB would simply in the gut dissociate and you'd have the free acid in the stomach. And what we realized when we started looking at, hey, there might be some needs for HMB free acid for liquid um, uh, you know, application and, and some other things we were looking at, you know, when we talk about beverages or you talk about waters or anything that might require to be in a liquid form, it'd be much better to use the free acid. But anytime you do a change to, you know, the delivery format, if you will, you want to assess the same thing, safety and efficacy. What we found um, was that the pharmacokinetics were a little bit more um, complex than just saying, oh, it just calcium HMB dissociates to HMB free acid, then they're equal. Um, I really look at HMB free acid as we refer to it as HMB FA sometimes. It stands for more than just free acid. It's fast acting. Think of it that way. Mm -hmm. So for the bodybuilding market, um, and for the convenience of working with, you know, a liquid format, um, I think it's, it's an incredibly valuable tool because it does increase blood levels very quickly and they're able to have a greater area near the curve. In other words, the blood levels are sustained to a similar curve as the calcium HMB, but with that higher peak and a faster peak, it's great for a pre-workout. But when we're talking about applications for say older adults or general population, it really comes down to the format. So if you're talking about something where you want a dry powder to work with, um, there's customers of ours um, that put together products that are, you know, drink mixes that have calcium HMB, which is again, the powder, it's my HMB. And then for my HMB clear, also known as beta tour in the bodybuilding world, um, that application is great for things like soft gels, or I'm sorry, that format's great for applications like soft gels and and even, even gummies and in uh, waters. Um, so Again, it comes down to, it's still the active HMB, but Larry touched upon something that's incredibly important. It's that all the safety, toxicity data, and efficacy data has been done over the past 30 years by metabolic technologies using material that is specced by our, our facility and our experts to say that this is the same material. We know that there, you know, there's always, anytime you have something success, there's people out there that try and copy you. And we know that even when, um, you know, we first started, there was, there was a company that was saying, oh, this is HMB. And we went and bought the product, tested it and found out there was absolutely no HMB in it. Oh, um, and that's the sad part of it. That's why we really point to the consumer to say, Hey, you know, my is a great clearinghouse, not only for information on the science, but more importantly, information about what products are out there with our ingredient in it to make sure you're getting that real efficacious as well as safe and proven safe product. Yeah, um, you mentioned something I just wanted to uh, uh, bring up again. Uh, the synergy with vitamin D is mm. something that I'm reading about quite a bit. And you mentioned it, but we kind of went over it pretty quickly. Uh, talk to us about that relationship and, and the research that shows, I think it's 3,000 milligrams of HMB plus vitamin D. Well, I'm not, I don't have the study sure, up. Sure, sure. So this really stemmed from some work we were doing. Um, it was going back to that, that paper you referenced before, it was a year long study, um, an NIH funded project. Mm -hmm. And what we discovered was that, you know, HMB obviously had the effect on muscle mass, um, with those that were taking it. And this is without exercise. This is just free living individuals. Um, they happen to be older adults. Obviously this is an older adult study. It was again, NIH and NIA, which is the national Institute of aging, um, funded. And in looking at this, what we, noticed though, was this group of people that didn't have improvements in muscle function. 
as a group of the HMB um, supplement individuals. They gain mass, but not function. Um, at least the function improvement wasn't as great as some of the other HMB subjects relative to the muscle mass gain or the, the size of the muscle. So we went back and, you know, this is one of those, I'll, I'll kind of cut to the chase here, but it's true that aha moment. We were doing some other work. We were doing a lot of work with vitamin D in, in some of our analysis in our labs. And it was part of a profile that we were going to analyze these subjects. And what we discovered was those individuals that were, let's refer to them as like the non-responders on the function side, when their vitamin D was sufficient. So we're not talking deficiency here where, you know, rickets and you think, you know, incredibly low vitamin D levels. We're talking sufficiencies here. So that's, you know, 25 to 30 nanograms per mil blood levels of their 25 hydroxy level, um, which is an indicator of vitamin D status. When that was at that sufficiency, all of a sudden, it, you could draw a perfect line between those that improved function and those that didn't have a correlating improvement in function to the amount of muscle mass they gained. So then fast forward through, you know, obviously there's a retrospective analysis. Then we did a proactive approach to this, another year-long NIH-funded study looking at HMB with vitamin D3 supplemented at roughly three grams of HMB per day with about 200, I'm sorry, about 2000 um, IU of vitamin D3. Um, what was incredibly interesting was that even without exercise, again, in this older adult population, they improved muscle function and strength. So things like get up and go, um, leg strength markers, you know, and the biggest one we really haven't talked about is hand grip strength. Yeah. And I know when you guys were talking about oh, it before, man my eyebrow raised because, you know, it's really interesting. Some of the work that's been done with hand grip strength and predictors of our, you know, mortality, morbidity. Right. Yes. So when we started thinking about that, it's like, well, how does that have an effect on my lifespan? It, it's not that the hand grip is the measure that of end all measures. It's just an excellent indicator of systemic muscle health. Exactly. I'm so, so when we see these decreases in, in, in hand grip strength, we know that there is a significant impact on overall muscle health. What's incredibly interesting about both of these studies I talked about when vitamin D status is sufficient and HMB is present, you see significant improvements in hand grip strength. Again, indicative of overall muscle health. Yeah. Um, I don't want you to think that without vitamin D, HMB doesn't work. It's just HMB has an effect. But if you really want to optimize it, that addition of vitamin D is, is so, so strong um, in terms of improving that function and strength. And we're seeing that more that vitamin D isn't just a bone health no, uh, compound. It's, it's so pivotal for function, so cellular function. I'm so happy you brought that up because, you know, Sean, uh, this is a challenge that I'm actually starting to offer up out there uh, in media. I know Johnny's starting to as well. And these are really inexpensive little contraptions anyone can pick up online or go to Amazon. They're called dynamometers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as where you're describing this relationship uh, pretty direct with hand grip strength and longevity in verses true as well, you know, uh, the lack thereof and sarcopenia are wasting. Um, so, you know, it's a simple thing, get a dynamometer, take mm -hmm. my HMB, uh, for a few months, retest yourself on that dynamometer and yep. do the same. And you again. will see a significant improvement. It's, right. it's, it's fantastic. Yep. Right. You know, Larry, I, I have a question. We got to start to wrap things up in the interest of time. Um, you know, I, I'm sure there's thousands, um, of stories, but if you could share one that comes to mind among those thousands, you know, real life story where TSI's HMB has changed the life of somebody who's used your product 
Uh, anything come to mind? I was just going to say um, uh, the, the the most powerful story that I have, and we have so many consumers coming back uh, to our marketing uh, team with so many great stories about how HMB has helped change their life in so many ways. Um, but my dad and I are, are I, I live in Montana and my dad and I are out here because we love to fly fish. And a couple of years ago, um, <clears throat> we were making our way down this um, steep bank to one of our favorite rivers, the Bitter River to fish. And he was just struggling and struggling. And he's always thought it was his joints. He takes a lot of glucosamine and things like that. And, um, and I said, you know, he's always been one of these skeptics on supplements, even though his son <laughs> makes a living and, and has a has a, a supplement business for the last 27 years. I said, Dad, just just try this. Try this along with your glucosamine. Um, and maybe this is going to help you, um, you know, uh, help your mobility, help you get around better. Just all the things that we've talked about in this podcast. And um, sure enough, he started taking the HMB and... He uh, came back to me about a week later. He says, I don't know what's going on, but this is absolutely uh, working. I feel so much better. I feel more mobile. And he swears by it. He, um, We have some samples around the office religiously, and he's getting low on his HMB. He has me um, give him a couple more sample jars, and and um, he's been on it ever since. And wow. uh, I, I, I swear that if he hadn't been on it, he wouldn't be getting around nearly as much in his quality of life would have been um, going on a, on a on a much steeper trajectory down. So it's it's just a really you know that that one's near and dear to my heart. But there's a lot of other um, stories that have come in and and yeah, it's it's really nice to have a business that um, is helping people and even your dad. Dosing, gentlemen. Maybe I'll throw that over to you, Sean. Dosing, sure. ap- optimal dosing. Just before we wind off here. Yeah. So what we typically, you know, say is that the minimum that we recommend is 1.5 grams of HMB per day. Um, that's based on, uh, let's say, relatively limited amount of research compared to the depth and breadth of data we have on three grams per day. So if an individual is is you know just wanting to try it and and, and start using it, and you know we would really recommend taking that three grams. Um, but if it's, you know, we all understand there's, there's an element of, of cost. And if you have a, you know, if, if you're looking for, well, what's the minimum 1.5, um, typically we want you to split that up into at least two servings per day. So, um, ideally a lot of our research, if you look at it, it's three grams taken in one gram servings three times daily. So kind of a morning, afternoon, and evening kind of structure. Um, again, if it comes down to it and you only want to take 1.5 grams or two grams, I would just split that into two equal doses because it's really important that you have that consistency throughout the day um, than just taking one big, you know, bolus or one big amount. Um, You know, one thing I just, if I could just add in on the anecdotal side that I think Larry touched upon, when we say quality of life, you know, his dad being able to do more activity is more than just a muscle thing. It's, it truly is that enjoyment and it's that positive attitude and that feeling they get when they're still engaged in doing the activities they want. And one of our studies, and I'll just bring this up really quick, um, after our studies, a lot of times we have, especially for the older adult population, we kind of have an exit. Um, um, I refer to it as an exit meeting, but rally, it turns into like a little party. We, you know, we have, everybody's there. We tell them what treatments they were on. You know, they've, it's already been after the studies completed and they just like to know, what did you find out during the study? 
And what was interesting is anecdotally, so many of the subjects that were on the HMB treatments would always come back to us and say things like, I have more energy, I have more energy. And we never had the, the smarts to ask, well, what do you mean? And then we kind of smartened up because later on, we purposely would ask, you know, what did you feel when you were taking HMB? After the study was done, um, many times we got that same energy. And, and I know in our industry, we talk about energy and it can mean those stimulants that are in drinks, like an energy drink. We can talk about fuel because true energy is, you know, carbohydrate, fat, protein. Um, but then when, we, when you ask a person, what is your perception of energy? Um, they said things like, hey, I can carry my groceries in the house. I can go up the stairs easier to what you guys were talking about before the beginning of this podcast. I can play with my grandkids and it feels like I'm, I'm able to still do that. That energy is what we hear so much from doctors. They go in and one of the number one complaints, as you know, Dr. Bonin, as you know, Dr. Wild, is when you guys had your practices or have your practice, one of the number one complaints that doctors receive is, I just feel like I don't have any energy anymore. I feel like it is the number. Yeah. And you, and you know that there's numerous problems that can be, you know, contributing to that. But one of the biggest ones is this perception of loss of strength. We don't know how to say, I feel like I've lost my muscle. What yeah. we say is, I feel like I have less energy. Why? Yeah. Because I can't carry the groceries and I can't go up the stairs as easy. That's right. And we see that truly as a feedback from our consumers that they feel like they have more energy. It goes right back to what Larry's dad experienced. And that is so key because that is what we're all looking for is that maintenance of our activity level and feeling like it's not harder than it was when we were 10 years younger. Well, you know, what a great way to end off. And this is what exactly where Dr. Bowden and I, uh, you know, really pair up together and, you know, great interviewing the two of you guys, because this is literally muscle span, how to prepare for the centenarian Olympics. This is what we love to talk about at, you know, length, the reference to these simple actionable items, you know, mm -hmm. that you need to consider now to be able to compete in your own centenarian Olympic, which as you put, would include things like getting up off the floor and assisted or walking up 10 flights of stairs or carrying a few bags of groceries uh, from the store to the car, walking a couple of miles all before, you know, uh, the age or beyond the age of 90 and maybe even a hundred as a centenarian. So mm -hmm. gentlemen, you know, thank you so much for joining thank us today. You so much guys. It's been really a pleasure. I learned a lot and, and you guys are very impressive and I'm, I'm delighted to be reacquainted with this supplement that I first heard about 20 years ago at Equinox and turns out to be one of the most important things I can take at my age. And I know that my clients are going to feel the same way. Yeah. Well, I really sure. appreciate that. Thank you guys. Thanks so much. Thank and thanks for co-hosting uh, with me, Dr. Bowden. Of course. Anytime, Bryce. So what are the best research supplements for muscle health when it comes to the best for muscle health? Certain options have been extensively researched and proven effective. And these include protein. We talked about it. It's a cornerstone for muscle growth and repair. Protein supplements like whey protein or plant-based protein powders can help meet your daily protein needs, which as we talked about, seems to be closer to the one gram per pound of body weight, especially if dietary intake is insufficient. Number two, creatine. One of the most extensively studied and effective supplements, creatine enhances strength, power, and muscle mass, and it's commonly used by athletes and weightlifters to optimize performance, typically by drawing water into the muscle cell. Beta-alanine. This amino acid has been shown to improve endurance, reduce fatigue, and enhance muscle performance during high-intensity activities like sprinting or weightlifting. And omega-3 fatty acids, while those aren't directly targeted to muscle growth, 
Omega-3s or essential fatty acids possess some anti-inflammatory properties that can aid in muscle recovery and reduce exercise-induced muscle soreness. But our favorite of all, MyHMB. This is a scientifically supported supplement. MyHMB supports muscle preservation, recovery, and overall muscle health well into late life. It helps prevent muscle breakdown, promotes protein synthesis, and aids in optimizing muscle growth. For more information, folks, please visit myhmb.com. Thanks so much for joining us on Wild on Health.